0: Welcome to Dig Deep. Well, in a recent study that was conducted in the Netherlands, researchers took 140 women and brought them into their food lab that was set up to look like a restaurant and paired them up with total strangers and had these 70 pairs of women eat a meal together. And what they wanted to do was compare the women's eating behaviors when they were paired up with a stranger to how those same women ate when they were alone in the same environment. And what they found was really interesting. While the women were alone, of course, they all had different eating habits, different eating styles, and different eating speeds. They all ate at different rates. But when they paired the women up, they found that the women all adapted to meet in the middle and sort of mimic the person that they were eating with. Almost bite for bite, especially in the beginning of the meal, women would sort of adapt their cadence of eating to the person they were eating with. And this lines up with what a lot of researchers are finding. Dr. Wanzik, who's a professor at Cornell, he's one of the leading researchers in the area of what we eat, why we eat it, why we eat as much as we do. He's the author of the book Mindless Eating. He's done numerous studies on how people eat, especially looking at What makes us eat more or less? And so he's done studies of people eating alone versus eating with other people. And he has found that on average, people eat up to 20% more or less than they normally would when they're eating with someone, depending on who their dining companion is. If they're eating with someone who's eating a ton of food, they will naturally eat more without thinking about it. And in the same way, if they're eating with someone who's eating smaller portions or eating healthier food, they will adapt accordingly. And so the principle is pretty obvious. Get around people who are eating the way that you want to eat. If you want to eat healthier, eat lunch with healthy eaters. And in this series, we've acknowledged our hearts are hungry. There are some things that we All long for, a sense of purpose, peace of mind, satisfaction in this life, rich relationships. And maybe for you there's something specific that you are hungry for, a healthy marriage, freedom from a habit that's holding you back, a sense of contentment about your material possessions instead of a nagging need for more and more. And so what should we do with this hunger we all feel? Well, in the first week, we said we need to keep a sharp eye on the things that the world is offering us to snack on that say that they'll satisfy, but never really do. And then last week, we said we need to develop a diet, a regular diet of ingesting God's word regularly, daily, and digesting it fully. Last week, we looked at a phrase that's repeated in scripture again and again, taste and see that the Lord is good. He is the one who truly satisfies. And so in this series, there's a truth that we cannot ignore, and we see it in our physical eating habits, and it's just as true in our spiritual lives. Who we eat next to matters. The Bible says it this way in Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen: as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. For better and for worse, we are shaped... By the people around us. If you aren't convinced that we are deeply affected by the people around us, I encourage you to check out the book, The Power of the Other, by Dr. Henry Cloud. He opens the book by talking a lot about the Navy SEALs and what the process is like to become one. The Navy SEALs, if you're familiar at all, it's an incredibly rigorous training program and acceptance program, and part of that is. BUDS, Basic Underwater Demolition Seal Training. It's about six months. And during that six months, there contains a particular week that maybe you've heard of called Hell Week. And Hell Week consists of five and a half days of cold, wet, brutally difficult operational training on fewer than four hours of sleep each night. I mean, they just push these candidates to their absolute physical limits to see how far they can go. And Dr. Cloud is so familiar with the seals because his brother-in-law was a Navy SEAL who gave his life in service to our nation. And he says in the book that in the days following his funeral, he heard so many stories from his brother-in-law's SEAL buddies. And one particular story stood out to him. It was from his brother-in-law Mark's friend Bryce, and they went through buds together and through hell week together. And Bryce told the story that they were in their final challenge of the week. It had been a brutal week. They had all been pushed to their mental and physical limits, and they were finishing with a long, cold ocean swim. And he said he got to a point where if you've ever experienced the wall in physical training. He experienced it. There was no way his body was going to go any further. And he, instead of swimming on top of the water, started to sink and was getting ready to signal that he needed to be rescued and ultimately would be removed from the program and wouldn't be able to go forward. And it was in that moment that he looked up to the shore and saw Mark Dr. Cloud's brother-in-law, and he was standing there. He had finished the challenge, and they locked eyes for a moment, Bryce said, and Mark pumped his fists in the air and yelled with their eyes locked. And he said something happened, something beyond him. He doesn't know what it was, but his body jumped into another gear, into another dimension of performance that he Hadn't known he had in him before. He was able to get back on top of the water, finish the swim, and ultimately finish the training and become a Navy SEAL. And Dr. Cloud says that is the perfect example of the power of the other. And he says, what happened? I mean, why would a fist bump and a yell from a buddy be able to push someone past His physical and mental limits. I mean, why did his body get back on top of the water almost as if on autopilot? And he says in the book, how can something as immaterial, invisible, and mystical as an emotional connection with a buddy have what amount to a material, measurable, and physical effect like fueling a body across space and physical boundaries? He says, it's very elusive. For centuries, philosophers, psychologists, theologians, and spiritual thinkers have wrestled with something called the mind-body problem, the fact that the invisible has a very real effect on the visible and vice versa. However we explain these mechanisms, he says, the neglected truth is that the invisible attributes of relationship, the connection between people, have real, tangible, measurable power. And it's what he calls the power of the other. Relationships affect life and performance. And so, as we are exploring our spiritual hunger, we have to acknowledge that the power of the other is real. Other people have invisible power over us. For better or for worse, they affect our lives spiritually So what do we do? We've all got certain relationships. We have certain people that we work with. We have certain neighbors. We were born into a certain family. But in certain relationships, I believe we have the opportunity to turn the dial up on those relationships to better the influence of those people in our lives. It's as if we are standing in the lunchroom of life and we do have a choice of who we sit with for certain meals. And so I want to suggest three things to you that when applied will shape some of your relationships and in turn will shape your spiritual diet and move you forward toward the things that you haven't been able to obtain before. The things that your heart is hungry for, that you desire, that you know God wants to give you. I believe he wants to use other people to get you there. So here are three principles, three practical things that you can do that will add this influence to your life and to your relationships. The first is simple. Get FaceTime. Get FaceTime. Get around people who you respect. Proverbs 13.20 says, He who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. We benefit from just being around people we look up to. So, if you're able to naturally spend time near, around someone you respect go for it and soak it up. And the key word there is naturally because we all live within the restraints of time and space. And so your pastor cannot meet for an hour-long coffee each week with every person in your church. There are many natural ways that you can get FaceTime with people that you look up to. And the first way you do this is by looking around. The person that you want FaceTime with doesn't have to be someone who's in the spotlight. They're the small group leaders at your church. They're your neighbors. They're other moms if you're in a part of a mom's group. They're people that you look up to in one way or another. Get around them. Join their small group. Join the team that they serve on at church. Offer to help them with the project that they put out there and said, I'm working on this project if anybody wants to help me. Go help them. Get around them. Do something naturally that will get you to spend time around them. My mom told me a story of when we were kids growing up, the neighborhood we lived in was a great neighborhood, and we had lots of friends, and there was one family we were particularly close with. We're still close with them. My mom and the mom of this family are still close buddies after all these years. And in those early years of their friendship and relationship, they would get together and let the kids play in whoever's backyard. And one particular time, my mom said it was so striking. She remembers she said to her friend, you're welcome to stay. I've got to start getting dinner ready. But if you want to hang out and just sit while I do that, that'd be fine. And her friend said, yeah, that'd be great. If you don't mind, I'll sit here. So my mom started prepping dinner, doing what she was going to be naturally normally doing anyway. And she said she was peeling carrots into the sink. And the friend said, hey, do you mind if I come over there and watch and learn how you do that. And my mom was so startled and surprised. She thought, I'm peeling carrots. I mean, they're, it's the most basic task in the world. But they, she found out through that interaction that her friend had grown up in a house where she didn't really help in the kitchen at all. She didn't have the opportunity to do that and learn, learn those things. And as a young wife and mom was learning them now, and she asked my mom if she could learn just those basic things from her. And so my mom was taken aback and reminded that just by living life with people, doing the things that you're normally doing, cooking meals with someone, letting your kids play at the same playground and chatting, going to the same classes, being a part of the same small group, just living life together, you will benefit from just being around people that you respect and look up to. Get FaceTime with people. The second principle is to get wisdom. And this is how we use that FaceTime well. Get wisdom. Proverbs 16, 16 says, how much better to get wisdom than gold and good judgment than silver. Now, sometimes you might be in a season of life where you are a part of a specific program. Either you're in high school or college or a certain career path, and you have the opportunity to engage in a program that has mentorship as part of its programming. So you can get paired up with a specific mentor who's sort of your person. This is a golden opportunity. And I want to just say, if you are in a season of life or a career where that is an opportunity, take it and glean as much as you possibly can from that experience. But for a lot of us who are living life outside of something like that, where we have a program or an opportunity to be paired up with someone who can be our mentor, we have to seek this wisdom in other ways and one way that's pretty obvious that we do this is by asking someone for their time and i love the way that craig rochelle talks about this he he recommends that you never ask somebody you never go up to someone and say hey would you be my mentor just asking them straight up would you mentor me he said instead ask them to meet once for coffee and come ready to ask specific questions. So when you would ask this person to coffee, you would say, hey, I don't know if you'd ever have the time, but I would love to buy you a cup of coffee and if I could have an hour of your time, I have a few questions I'd love to ask you about blank and tell them specifically what you have questions about. Maybe it's about your career or marriage or parenting or how to study the Bible. Whatever it is, ask them, can I have an hour of your time to ask you some questions about this specific thing. I had this happen recently. These three ladies that I know asked me if they could grab coffee sometime and ask me a couple questions specifically about being a mom. They are all new moms, and they know that I'm a little further down the road than they are, and they wanted to ask me a couple questions. And it was great. We got together for coffee, and they came with two Main questions. The first was What are some practical things you can do to keep your marriage strong once you become parents? And then, what are some practical things you can do to keep your relationship with the Lord strong once you become a mom? And I thought what they did was awesome. They did exactly what I'm recommending you do here ask someone to coffee once, ask them specific questions, let them know in advance what you want to talk with them about, and then go and apply their wisdom. To your life, write their answers down and then go home and apply them and do not ask them to go to coffee again until you've done what they've suggested, measured the results in some way in your life so that you can come saying, hey, I tried the wisdom that you applied and here's the fruit of it that I see in my life and then come with a new question or two to ask moving forward because you may want to ask them to coffee again someday But you want to make sure that you are applying what they've suggested to your life. And this goes back to what we talked about last week with ingestion versus digestion. It's great to hear wisdom, but it's even better to apply it. That's the only way it really changes us. So sometimes we'll ask someone to carve out time for us. I think another great approach that I heard recently was a gentleman shared that he has what he calls a personal advisory board. And he said, I know that makes me sound like I think I'm more important than I am, but I basically don't have one single mentor. He has a person that he goes to for financial wisdom, and someone that he goes to for marriage wisdom, and someone that he goes to for wisdom about being a dad. Wisdom in his career, wisdom about how to study the Bible and his relationship with God. And he goes to those people, and they're people that he gleans wisdom from on a regular basis. Proverbs 19:20 says, "Get all the advice and instruction you can, so you will be wise the rest of your life." And Proverbs 11 reminds us that there's safety in having many advisors. Build a personal advisory board look at your life, ask the question, what are some areas of my life where I'm experiencing hunger, where I need help? And then get in relationship with people, get FaceTime with people, listen to sermons, read great books, listen to podcasts and ask great questions and then apply those answers to your life. A few weeks ago, there's a couple in our church that I was just chatting briefly with in the lobby. And I don't know them super well, but I know that they're a couple that I really respect. Their kids are my age, and they're just a wonderful, wise couple. And they brought up something that they knew I was facing and um, asked me how I was doing. And I took that opportunity, and in literally just five minutes in the lobby, I asked, is there any?" advice that you would give me during this time, anything specific that you think I should be doing during this time. And they gave me two solid gold nuggets of wisdom, practical and tangible things that I could do and apply to my life. And now I'm not going to ask that couple to carve out a couple hours of their time for me, but I also wasn't going to miss out on an opportunity to glean some of their wisdom from them and apply it to my life. So get FaceTime and get Wisdom, anywhere you can find it, soak it up. But this last point, I really believe, is the most important one that we're going to discuss today, and that is to get feedback. Get FaceTime, get wisdom, but get feedback. Ken Blanchard says, Feedback is the breakfast of champions. See, you can get time around people that you respect, and you can even glean nuggets of wisdom from them and from their experiences. But the real magic ingredient is being impacted by others by inviting them to speak into your experience. I mean, did you catch that? You can learn so much from someone else's experience, but there's something uniquely powerful about having them speak into your specific experience. Giving someone access to the most raw, honest core of you and then inviting their feedback, no matter how painful A great example of this is with finances. If you are struggling financially, you are feeling a burden of debt, and maybe it's crushing you, maybe your marriage is buckling under the pressure, you should reach out and get wisdom. And a great place to get wisdom is from Dave Ramsey, who has a ton of wisdom about finances specifically. And so my husband and I did this. We took FPU, Financial Peace University. It was being offered at our church. We thought it was interesting. We had no idea how much it would change our view of finances and ultimately change our life and give us peace financially. We cannot recommend it highly enough. But we have a lot of friends who have learned from that same material. They've either read his books or they've just gotten a hold of the videos or cds and applied it to their life and and they think it's good they think he has some good principles some good teaching they sort of take some of it and leave some of it and it and it helps them out a little bit but the friends who we know who have had their lives really transformed on a deep core level by that same material are people who took the class as part of a small group as part of a class format because in that situation you glean all the same wisdom But you also bring yourself, your real, honest situation. And people only share what they're comfortable with. And maybe they share with the group or maybe they just share with the leader. But for my husband and I, we brought our actual budget. We brought our specific financial questions and concerns to our leaders and even to the group as a whole. There's power in the fact that our group cut up our credit cards together. We talked about the principles together and how they affect our lives specifically our own specific experiences and the same is true with feedback you can get incredible wisdom from any number of sources around you but there is unique power in feedback because it's a relationship that speaks into your experience specifically proverbs 15 31 to 33 says if you listen to constructive criticism You will be at home among the wise. If you reject discipline, you only harm yourself. But if you listen to correction, you grow in understanding. Fear of the Lord teaches wisdom. Humility precedes honor. And that's what it's all about. Humility precedes honor. People might not always give us criticism the way we like. We might argue, this says constructive criticism. Well, that person's criticism was not constructive at all. But it's asking, is there truth here? Is there gold here that should be shaping and influencing me? And that, as the scripture says, takes humility. Humility precedes honor. Because on this quest to grow and to be satisfied by God himself, It's not about just collecting gold nuggets of wisdom, collecting a bunch of tricks or skills that'll help us get farther in life. It's about changing who we are at the core, how we think, how we view the world. That's what will really bring lasting change in our lives. And that takes humility. So humble yourself. This is hard, but give someone access to the good, the bad and the ugly of you and invite them to shape you with their feedback. One of my all-time favorite pictures of a mentor in pop culture is Mr. Miyagi. I mean, it does not get better than Mr. Miyagi. As a child of the 80s and 90s, Karate Kid was my jam. And if you've never seen it, the original, not the remake or whatever... First of all, I forgive you, but to catch you up, Daniel is a kid who's like, I think in high school and he keeps getting beat up by some karate bullies at his school. So he decides he wants to be awesome at karate and he seeks out a karate mentor and he meets Mr. Miyagi and asks him to teach him. And they have an interaction early on in their relationship that I think is really great. Daniel says to Mr. Miyagi, Hey, by the way, what kind of belt do you have? Mr. Miyagi says, "Canvas, J.C. Penney, three ninety-eight. You like?" And Daniel laughs and says, "No, I meant." And Mr. Miyagi interrupts him. "In Okinawa," he says, "belt mean no need rope to hold up pants." And then he laughs hysterically at his own joke. And then Miyagi says, "Daniel, son," and he taps Daniel's head, and says, "Karate here." And then he taps Daniel's heart, and says, "Karate here." And then he points to Daniel's belt and says, karate, never here. Understand? And that's the core of it. If we want real lasting change, it happens in our hearts and in our minds. It's not in some level of skills that we have. It's not some development of new strategies. It's a shaping at the core of who we are. And that's what Daniel ends up experiencing with Mr. Miyagi. In the famous start of their training, Mr. Miyagi says to Daniel, I promise to teach karate. That's my part. You promise to learn karate. I say, you do. No questions. That's your part. And Daniel agrees. He says he's all in. Let's do it. I want to learn. He lays himself humble before Mr. Miyagi says, whatever. And Mr. Miyagi says, first, wash all the cars. And he points to all of his antique car collection and then wax them. And that, of course, is the source of the famous wax on, wax off. And in the next couple days, Daniel does all of this hard work. He sands the deck and paints the fence and paints the house. And after a few days of it, he's just completely fed up. He thinks he's just getting used for cheap, free, manual labor, And he says, I'm fed up with this. You're not teaching me any karate. I'm leaving. And as he's leaving, Mr. Miyagi says, daniel son," and he pulls him back. He pulls him back. And then he says, show me, wax on, wax off. And Daniel half-heartedly does the motions. He says, no, no, show me, wax on, wax off. And over the course of the next couple minutes, Mr. Miyagi reveals that he hasn't just been using Daniel for free manual labor He's been shaping Daniel on a core level. This weak, little, untrained teenager has developed strength, but also technique for defensive karate that he didn't even realize was being developed in him. Each one of those moves, wax on, wax off, paint the fence up and down, you see him use them to build a foundation. It was as though Mr. Miyagi was programming them into Daniel's mind and heart and his muscle memory. Without knowing it, Daniel was developing strength and technique at his very core only because he humbly placed himself before his teacher and said, I'll do what you ask me to do, trusting that you'll be shaping me from the inside out. Now, you and I are not trying to learn karate. We're trying to hand our hearts over to God, knowing that he is the one who satisfies. And we want him to reshape our thinking, to redeem the broken things in our lives, to resurrect the dead things in our lives. And you and I, we can read books and listen to sermons and podcasts, and and we should. Those are all good things, but do... You have someone in your life who has real access to your heart, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Someone who you've invited to shape the way that you think about those things. Someone who gives you wisdom from their experience, but also gives you feedback speaking into your experience. Do you have people like that in your life? Because there are practical steps you can take to get there. Get FaceTime. Ask great questions to glean wisdom. And then invite feedback from people, even though it can be really painful. So in this series, we've said we need to keep a sharp eye on the way that we tend to snack on things that the world promises will satisfy, but they never do. We've said we need to develop a regular diet of ingesting God's word regularly and digesting it fully. And now, today, I hope that you've seen that we just have to pay attention to who we sit next to at the lunch table. Are we around people who are offering us Cheetos all the time? Or are we intentionally sitting with others who have tasted and seen that God really is good, that his way Really does satisfy. Do you have people in your life who are coming alongside you, people who've experienced the truth of Isaiah 55-2 that we looked at, week one of this series, who have eaten what is good, who have delighted in the richest fare? Who in your life is helping to shape you on that foundational level? Get FaceTime with those people. Get wisdom. Put some things in place that can give you a healthy stream of wisdom. Listen to sermons, podcasts, read great books, and maximize the face time that you have with wise people by asking them great questions and then applying their answers. And then get feedback. Ask for it. Apply it. Don't discard tough things that others say to you. Humble yourself and allow yourself to be shaped in a foundational way. All of these things will shape our relationships which will in turn shape the way that we eat spiritually. And that will lead us to greater satisfaction from the only one who can truly satisfy, our God. And lastly, before we close, I have to encourage you, as you're seeking out to get all these things, to get FaceTime, to get wisdom, to get feedback, make yourself available to give those same gifts to others. There are people in your life who need those things from you. And down the road, there's going to be more people in your life who are going to need FaceTime from you and need wisdom from you and need feedback from you. Make time for those people. Be generous in the time that you spend with others. So thanks so much for being here this week. I look forward to having you back next week as we conclude this series. And until then, remember to dig deep.